The Morning Show. The Home Team. No, it's both. It's the crossover. Crossover! Step back! Presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen right here on 960theref.com. All right, we are back. The Crossover Podcast presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville. And uh, Five Points are building uh, this afternoon, smelling of um, Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen oh, yeah. as it was uh, delivered here. We had a, uh, a big all-staff function, and uh, we had Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen delivered. And uh, I recommend the smell for your office, too, because it uh, <laughs> it's delightful. So I don't know which one I had because, you know, they were just all lined up, but it was uh, – it had – it had meat and it had um, it had like a jalapeno pepper and it had bacon on it. And I don't have the menu in front of me, but it was really really good. I know you don't eat meat, but the, I saw several that had like onions and artichokes and um, yeah. I saw the one with that uh, jalapeno yeah. peppers on yeah. it. So we probably ordered something from everything on their menu. Well, all I know is the uh, the home team is very good. That's uh, what Carol and I usually get when we go there, and. Um, Actually, we were at the Watkinsville location last week, and went in and had uh, had dinner, and it was delicious. And I love uh, I love the Five Points location that used to be Waffle House. It's yeah. terrific, it and really it's got is. that old. The, I like the sign out there yeah. too. That's yeah. kind of very cool. Yeah, if you haven't tried fully loaded pizza, you need to. You yeah. need to get it done. And uh, I would recommend it if you have uh, a big uh, office function. Yep. Just go ahead and let them take care of it, uh, too. So we appreciate them. We appreciate all of you for our uh, uh, for listening. And uh, you can, as always, subscribe to us on iTunes or listen anytime that you want on demand at 960theref.com. Or better yet, it's never been easier to enjoy 960 The Ref than with the 960 the ref app you can listen live uh, anytime anywhere you are you also get all of our on-demand content like this here crossover podcast at your fingertips and even stream all georgia sports programming within a 75 mile geofence of um of athens so that's great like uh we're recording this on the day after early signing day so like early signing day was a perfect day to have the 960 the ref app because you'd stay up to date with everything that was going on uh, yesterday, uh, the wife and I went on vacation last week. We actually went up to New York City, and uh, I listened to I listened to uh, part of the morning show on the app in the uh, waiting area at LaGuardia. No, oh, there Crystal you go, crystal clear, excellent. It was awesome. Yeah, so so wherever you are, yeah, yeah, we can be there too. So we appreciate that. So make sure you go if you got an iPhone, go to the. Uh, Go to the App Store, download the 960 The Ref app, and if you have an Android, then just go to uh, Google Play and you can get it uh, there. All right, Bramer, how are you feeling, man? You've been fighting it, haven't you? Yeah, I don't know. I've uh, I I don't feel like as bad as I sound. Yeah, so I at least feel better. Yeah, but it's still tough, especially in our business. That's the one thing you don't want to have. Yeah, you're trying to grind it out, but I do feel better than I sound. Well, and you, uh, I didn't, let's see, was it, what was your worst day? Was it Monday or was no, it? No, no, it was, a, it's weird, like, Sunday I felt awful and didn't do anything but, you know, basically sleep and yeah. watch, watch the Falcons win a game that they <laughs> shouldn't have won, but they, oh. they did, and then, so Monday I started feeling better, and then Tuesday I started feeling bad again, and then yesterday it was like. It's like two steps forward, one step back. Yeah, and then yeah. so Wednesday it was awful again, but now today it's better. All right. 
good. So, good. Good to hear. But, um, yeah, hopefully it'll pass because before Christmas and everything. I know. You don't want to be feeling bad on Christmas Day. Yeah. In fact, looking at the trusty iPhone here, what is the forecast for Christmas Day? Uh, sunny and 67. So wow. it's actually going to be 67 nice on Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. All well, right. you know, if you're not feeling well around the holidays, you can always just sit around on the couch and watch the uh, holly- holiday classics like National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. <laughs> yes. Make sure you say National Lampoon. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, then well, you can watch the Lakers and the Clippers. The Lakers Christmas and Clippers. Night. And uh, the Hawks don't play on Christmas, do what? they? That's too bad. No. There, and there's, you know, there's no football this year on Christmas. Then, then on Christmas Eve, the I guess the only sporting event on Christmas Eve is the SoFi Hawaii Bowl. Yeah. With Hawaii and uh, and BYU. So that's actually a good matchup there. You know, I was out in Hawaii last year when um, they were getting ready to play Louisiana Tech. And it's so weird. I, I mean, you probably heard me tell the story before. It's not really a story. It's just an observation. So out in Hawaii, and this was on Oahu, the kids, like when you drive around the island and, um, you know, you're going from one part of the island to the other, if you stop, whatever, you see the kids, they're throwing the football. I mean, it's weird. They well, not weird, but it's like they that state loves football. Kids grow up. I didn't see kids kicking the soccer ball. I didn't really see many kids shooting basketball. I saw them throwing the football around. But here's the thing: they're wearing like Chargers, 49ers, Cowboys, right? Eagle. They're wearing NFL logos. Well, and they each does the Pro Bowl. That's well. That's you know what? There's probably something to that. I didn't even think about that. But Hawaii was getting ready to play Louisiana Tech. And um, my uh, stepson, who at the time was stationed out there, he didn't live far from the stadium. So we'd ride by the stadium, and there were like four tailgate tents on the day of the game. It was just like yeah, nothing. It was sad. And it was Hawaii, it was a Hawaii home game because they were playing Louisiana Tech. But it's it's weird. The state is a football state, but it's not a college football state. Well, isn't there's uh, – maybe you were the one telling me this too, but there's – like at that stadium on Saturdays, there's a farmers yeah. market. Yep. So basically, the Which football is, all, is cool. Yeah, like the foot the, for home games, the football team can only kick off basically like they always kick off at eleven thirty or midnight Eastern time. But if they wanted to play an earlier game, they they can't because they're not yeah. bumping that farmers market. I you know it it and it's very popular. In fact, Coach Dodden even says that like um, they had some extra time one day to do something when he you know when it was actually his you know last game coaching the dogs. <laughs> And they asked the players what they wanted to do, and he he said they wanted to go to that that back to that thing at the stadium, that farmers market. Yeah, so that's what the team is very popular. Yeah, so, it's more popular than football, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I guess at so, least yeah. the at least the Hawaii football. It, team. If you need a, a trinket from Hawaii, you can find one at that farmers market. Yeah, if you're so, ever ever headed to Oahu. So Louisiana Tech was in the Hawaii Bowl last year because this year they're in the Independence Bowl. They're playing Miami the day after Christmas instead of the day before. So, yeah, so they they moved up. Although I tell you. I guess it's what Skip Holtz has done a good job there. And I wouldn't have known this if I hadn't been out there, but I was a little bit plugged into it just because they were playing out there. They had a guy that ended up being the NCAA's all-time sacks leader um, that played for that Louisiana Tech oh, yeah, team yeah. last year. I remember that. Yeah, and I don't know what what he's doing this year, how it went in the draft. His name was um, or is Jalen Ferguson. He had 17 and a half sacks last year. And again, he ended up being the all-time sacks leader in NCAA history. This year, they got a guy who's a projected maybe first rounder at cornerback. Okay, so they got a they've got a guy 
in their defensive backfield. Hey, Louisiana Tech football. Don't count them out. Yeah. Um, well, Georgia, we'll talk a little signing day here, the the first day of the early signing period, which has passed, and uh, the dogs have cleaned up uh, again by by all accounts. The Maybe not to, quite to the extent that the last two classes are ranked, but I look at 24-7 sports and you look at rivals, and Georgia's got another top five class with a couple uh, – a couple guys that have not uh, uh, not committed, I guess they're officially not signed, but uh, like Keely Ringo and Darnell Washington, the tight end out of uh, Vegas, that seem like pretty strong uh, Georgia guys there that uh, aren't uh, official yet and wouldn't be until early next month. So Georgia signed 17 in the early signing period and have uh, the two guys, the two offensive linemen, Cedric Van Pran and Broderick Jones, who are still committed but did not sign. But it sounds like, and especially with Jones, that's going to be a recruiting fight now with Auburn all the way to traditional signing day, the first Wednesday in February. Yeah, and from the recruit Knicks that we talked to on the morning show, they talk about how he's been kind of low-key anyway during the recruiting process. He's not one of these guys that gets out and does a lot of stuff. So it's kind of a little bit hard to gauge kind of where he's going. Hopefully, maybe, you know, over the next six weeks, it'll give him enough time to get kind of re-comfortable with, with Georgia and Coach Luke and, and solidify that, uh, that verbal commitment. But as far as uh, Van Pran, that's a, I mean, that's one where it's, uh, you know, he's right there in the middle of LSU country. You know, yeah. is that, is that, that mean anything thing or not? I don't know. I mean – Logan is saying this morning about how that's like his high school always waits till signing day, the regular signing day, and they sign together as a group and that kind of thing. So I hope that's all it is. Well, I remember that was the case with Jordan Davis a couple of years ago. That, uh, yeah, but there was never any doubt he was coming to Georgia. He didn't right. sign during the early period. He just wanted to wait and sign on what is you know still, I guess, considered national signing day, um, even if there is this new early period. So hopefully that's the case with uh with Van Pran as uh, well I guess the uncertainty just comes from and uh we didn't uh, we didn't have a podcast last week so I guess we haven't even talked about the departure of Sam Pittman on yeah. here yet but that was definitely a uh a stunner and when you, you know, all these guys that George had committed I guess Josh Braun did decommit and ended up with uh with Florida but uh, you know Pittman's a big reason why those guys committed and hopefully Georgia can hang on to him and so far they have but Jones and Van Pran just it's not like they've decommitted or anything. They just haven't signed yet. The, the, the scary part with Jones is when Auburn starts, you know, warming their way mm. in there. We've been, you know, we've had some recruiting wars with yep. them before that haven't always ended well. Well, Braun basically just turned into Austin Blask. Blasky, however you yeah. say his name. He was in uh, even as late as, what, uh, Tuesday night. He was an NC State commit. Yeah. And then he decommits. And I think – the the Wolfpack faithful were not real real pleased with with that one, um, but I think he was one that Georgia had said, "Hey, look, we want you. If we have something, you're our first guy." And that's I think what happened here. So Georgia was able to to get him, and and uh, he's from the I mean Savannah, I guess, or close to Savannah. And uh, you know, hopefully, if. Um, if Broderick Jones and Van Pran end up signing, I mean, that's six offensive linemen that Georgia has signed even without Coach Pittman being here. So I think that that says a lot about uh, Kirby and Coach Luke and, and filling that void with with uh, 
Coach Pittman leaving and, and filling that void so quickly yeah. to try and save things. Well, and Georgia knows that it's def- definitely losing both of its tackles as we record this this week. Andrew Thomas and Isaiah Wilson both announced that they are leaving early for the NFL draft. There are reports out there that Ben Cleveland is not eligible for the bowl game, though none of that's been confirmed. So well, I'll say this. Jake Crow from uh, Dogs 247 spoke to Ben's dad, and he – said this was from from his dad that he's not eligible for the sugar bowl but hopes to be you know back with the dog so i would say that's a pretty credible you know pretty well, yeah. credible source there so and you know we know jake he's he's you know if he's rolling with that i, I i'm going with that also well so, so we'll see. so his dad says because uh, i would my my thought well if you if he's not eligible for the bowl then maybe he's leaving too you know yeah he but the plan is for him to. That's what he's, you know, at least as of come back. right now, that could change five minutes from now. But at least as of the last thing I heard on that, that is the plan that he still wants to, uh, I think, play for Georgia and you know, try to, to get back and not leave like this. Yeah. And then Kinley would be another one, I think, that's got um, yeah. a potential to leave for the draft. So depending on Cleveland's status, you could end up with, you know, four vacancies there on the line. There's definitely going to be two. Uh, you know, possibly a third if uh, if Kinley decides to maybe uh, exit also. Because I have seen Kinley's name. If you for whatever stock you want to put in mock drafts, I've seen Kinley's name thrown out there as like an early second rounder. I've seen him. So, well, you know, if you recruit these guys and their studs and you develop them, then if they leave after their junior season, then so be it. I I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. Well, Kinley is he he's been here since sixteen, right? He was in Kirby's first class, so. Uh, let's see here. I just happen to have his classes in front of me here. So, Kinley signed. Yes, he was. All right. What What was the first? The uh, December of 17 was the first year of yeah. the Earth. So, yes. Yeah, so, Kinley signed. Um, so, he's already the, been four in years. In 17, but it was in February of 17, right? Yeah. Am I, am I doing that correctly? No, I, yeah, I thought he was in. That's 16 class, <laughs> the first one Kirby signed. Um, let's see here. That had oh, East, yeah, yeah, yeah. That had Eason right. in it. Yeah, you're yeah. right. He was in the Eason class. Yeah. Yes. So he's been here four years already. Yeah, so that class had McCall Hardman, Holyfield, uh, Eason, uh, Ben Cleveland. Um, so, yeah, Nada, Ridley, McGee, Rochester, Tyler Simmons. I saw hold that class together pretty good. Charlie Werner was in that class. Yeah. No, and some of those guys you know, were part of that mass exodus last year that you you look back yeah. on now with that receiving core. And that's another thing that stands out about what Georgia did uh, yesterday in signing, what was it, four wide receivers, and then two of them uh, weren't even committed until yesterday. Georgia had had Justin Robinson and Marcus Roseme, but then uh, they get a signing day commitment and signature from Arian Smith out of Lakeland, Florida, who uh, I've heard has drawn con- uh, drawn me Cole Hardman comparisons, and then uh, Jermaine Burton out of uh, Cal- Calabasas, California, who had been committed to LSU. So Georgia gets two guys on signing day, and um, you know when you think back to uh, to how decimated at times Georgia's receiving core got this season, and how it was not able to overcome some of those early departures from last year, and I guess you- Georgia signed. A- by my count, there were six receivers in the 17 and 18 classes. Um, and so you think about our our receivers this year that where you had P. 
Pickens and Blaylock, who were freshmen. And then you had like Cager and Robertson who came in and they were grad transfers. There just hasn't been a whole lot developed out of those uh, out of those receiving cores from those 17 and 18 classes. And I, I guess that's, you know, some sign there with Kirby going hard with four of them this year, too. Well, it's funny that, um, you know, LSU had several guys flip yesterday. Yeah, I know. And you would think they'd be kind of racking it up like Georgia did a couple of years ago, uh, you know, this time. But, you know, it's just interesting that one of the guys, like you said, you mentioned uh, Jermaine Burton out of California, who ends up uh, with the dogs instead of LSU. So, you know, we'll take it. And then the Arian Smith, he's more in the – would he be more in the McColl Hardman kind of mode? Yeah. Um, kind of an Isaiah McKenzie type player, I guess. Um, maybe McColl's a better, um, you know, comparison there, too. And then Robinson and Rosemere are bigger guys, taller receivers. Yeah. And Robinson's a guy who has only played football for two years. So yeah. even though he's like 6'4, 207, he definitely looks like the, uh, just by the height and the weight, kind of like that new prototypical receiver that you see. But maybe he would be more of a, a project a little more raw since he's so young but um but I, you know there's I, I guess Kirby has sensed it too that there's maybe this idea that you got to restock that re, you know, that receiving room and uh bring in some more competition because you think of some of those like well Mark Webb is playing a different position now Holloman's not even here but then guys like Trey Blunt Matt Landers Kiaris Jackson and Tommy Bush they just they haven't really developed uh, yet. Yeah. So as it turned out, you had Blaylock and Pickens that ended up emerging as freshmen last year. Is you know guys that definitely look like they are. You know, hopefully Blaylock can come back from his injury in the SEC championship game. But Pickens is going to be the he'll be our number one receiver next year. There's question marks there. Yeah, I mean, hopefully don't know he what's can. What's going on? You know, in his mind, hopefully some learning experiences that he did you know that he had we didn't know he was going to be suspended for the first part of the first half of the tech game and then we all know what happened on the field and then you know led into the sec championship game so the interesting thing is kirby has basically he's he's shut the media out of all these bowl practices here in athens so we we don't get a chance to see who's out on the field right that's basically what this is all about yes um it's not hiding plays or you know or trying to disguise something it's about not wanting anyone to know right now who's out on the field practicing and who's not yeah but you know it's so this early signing day really um kind of messes things up too because you have you know you're you're trying to figure out your bowl plans you're also trying to figure out you know if your school has made a coaching change at the end of the season you got to, you know, are you getting somebody in to hold down the fort? Uh, if you leave a coach that's on the hot seat and you don't fire him, the, you know, does that do anything to your recruiting class? USC is an interesting case here because Helton was on the hot seat all year. They hadn't been able to recruit because schools are recruiting against them. Here comes signing day and they don't have anything. They're like 78 yeah. in the country. They're and now they may still fill some holes between now and February 5th or whatever, but right now, yeah, they are, um, you know, they're like lower than Vandy yeah. in the signings. Well, even um, like even our Arkansas was yeah. down there, but they've at least filled their spot. I will say I did check. Yesterday, Arkansas was lower than Princeton and Harvard, yeah. but today they they've, are moved, high, they've moved up. Yeah, yeah, they did move past them <laughs> uh, yesterday. So Hey, Coach Pittman – 
hey, he, he's a head coach in the SEC, and that's awesome. Yeah. Great for him, but man, does he ever have his hands full. That's a, that is a a big rebuilding project that they've <laughs> got going the on now. Yes. But it's, uh, yeah, I mean, look at recruiting in Clemson, Bama, Ohio State, LSU, Georgia, pretty much your, uh, your top five. Uh, three of those five are in the playoff, and I would uh, – I would venture to guess you could basically just take a screenshot of, say, the top, uh, uh, I mean, really probably the top five, but we'll go, all right, the top ten in the country, and that's those are the only teams that have any chance of winning a national championship in the, in the sport. You might have, like, this one-off Michigan State or Washington that makes the playoff, but, like, they're not winning, winning the playoff. So you got Clemson, Bama, Ohio State, LSU, Georgia. Like, those teams are – your national championship is coming from there for the next like four or five years. And speaking of like a Washington, the Pac-12's only had what Oregon and Washington. Yeah, and this is the fifth year. Is that right? Is this year number five of the five playoff? or six? Maybe six, is it now six already. Yeah. So, you know, but the thing is, do you need eight teams? You know, so it's funny. Some years it feels like it, and some years it doesn't. Yeah, this, this year, year you doesn't. Don't. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it. Yeah, so it's, it's like a year to year thing. So maybe they should settle on six. But I and I <laughs> I get that you don't uh, like for this is it's a TV show now, so I yeah. guess they don't really care about the fans and tickets and traveling and stuff. But you know, we the SEC championship game it was seventy percent Georgia fans because yeah. LSU fans went well. We're either going to be back here in a couple weeks for a, a much bigger, more important game or out in Phoenix. So we're going to have to save our money and go to that instead because the SEC championship yeah. game was meaningless to them. But then you are you expand the playoff, and then so fans are expect you want them to travel now, say, three times to different places. And, look, I'll tell you this. Our fans are – I mean, Georgia has awesome fans, great fans. We've shown that. But I'm, a lot of our fans are fatigued right now. They are fatigued. And I can just tell you from my – group of friends that go to most of the road games go to all the bowl games only like a couple of them are going to the sugar bowl and they said it's like hey it's just we you know we've been to pasadena uh we've been to three straight sec championships and they're not complaining but they said the the sugar bowl's tough because you know we were in lsu last year and then we were back in the sugar bowl last year and now here we are back in the sugar bowl again this year there's just some fatigue as far as all that goes yeah and then you know you're playing baylor yeah. But you can get tickets to that game for nine bucks. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You certainly can. That is a. Uh, Although, why aren't the. And I know Baylor's not Texas or Oklahoma, but wouldn't you think their fans would be into it? I mean, you would think there would be enough of their fans buying these tickets that the the secondary market wouldn't be as, as you know, low as it is. Yeah, maybe. But is that. I mean, how big a school is that? Well, I, again, it's. Not, yeah, it's yeah. not your. Yeah, it's not the same as Texas or yeah. A&M or something like but that. But Georgia's right back in the same place it was yeah. last year in the Sugar Bowl with a, a, a much a, a much more highly motivated opponent. And I'll say this, when um, the dogs were playing LSU at the SEC championship game a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to one of the uh, the Sugar Bowl guys, and they were like, it's like, this is nothing against LSU, but you know, just for the Sugar Bowl, he's like, we really need Georgia to win this game because – they were like, if Georgia loses, we're gonna have the dogs back. If Georgia wins, they were gonna have Florida. So that you know, they they knew what was coming here with this. 
and it didn't it didn't work out for them. And it's too bad that you couldn't have had Georgia go to the Orange Bowl and Florida go to the Sugar Bowl. I think both bowls would have been okay with that too. Yeah, and I think Georgia fans would, would be, have gone to the Orange Bowl. Yeah, even if the opponent was Virginia and we yeah. knew we were playing them next year too. But it's still it's the well. Orange would you bowl. rather play Virginia twice in a row, even though it's in two separate seasons, or go to the Sugar Bowl twice in a row? And I think most people would say, oh, I'd rather go to the Orange Bowl, go to the Virginia, bowl. and then open up with them again the next year. Yeah, travel to a different bowl. Yeah. And it's plus it's Miami. And also the the game isn't at eight forty five on a Wednesday night. <laughs> with some of us having to do a morning show the next yeah. day. Uh well I I'll I'll come in January second and pretend I watched the game. <laughs> All right, uh we'll take a quick little break, then we'll come back and uh have a few parting thoughts for our final episode before uh before Christmas. Uh, Chris and Dave, the crossover podcast presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen on 960theref.com and the 960theref app. True Italian food has returned to Five Points and brought some friends along because Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen is now open in Five Points, Athens. At the new Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen, you'll find all your Italian favorites from pizza to calzones and baked ziti, along with sandwiches, salads, wings, and more, plus a full bar for beer, wine, and cocktails. It's time to eat at the now open Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen at Five Points in Athens and also in the Manders Crossing Shopping Center off Mars Hill Road in Watkins. The Crossover Podcast, uh, thanks to Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville and Five Points in Athens. And uh, again, they uh, we had Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen here at the, the office today, and it was delicious. And it also makes the office smell great, too, when you just have, like, oh, pizza yeah. throughout, the, uh, throughout the halls. Uh, we do have uh, bowl games finally starting up this weekend, also the last two weekends uh, for the NFL regular season. All right, so the Falcons... The Falcons, I guess they got their revenge on uh, on Kyle Shanahan last week, right? He blew I the guess. Super Bowl 28-3. to They went out there and won. They've got Jacksonville and Tampa to close out the season. Like, like, stop winning now. Stop winning these meaningless games. What's the deal with the Falcons? And, and our, right, so last year they faced the Packers after the Packers got rid of McCarthy. This year they faced the Panthers right after they got rid of Rivera. And I know he's not a head coach, but they're going to be facing the Jaguars this weekend after they fired Tom Coughlin yesterday, who yeah. was basically their GM. Meanwhile, it's just weird how the Falcons show up. Yeah. Meanwhile, no one has faced the Falcons the week after they've canned <laughs> Dan Quinn. the Dan Quinn situation. And if Atlanta if Atlanta beats Jacksonville and then beats Tampa, they're going to finish 7-9. and nine. I mean, that yeah. might bring Quinn back. I don't, I don't think it's it. a lock that he's gone. I don't either. I mean, it, it couldn't be more 50-50 to me whether he's coming back or yeah. not. Yeah, and it's so but you're just leaving yourself in this purgatory because year after year you keep winning these games late, you end up with just a draft pick in the teens or something instead of where you should be drafting, which is like in the top 5. If you could if you made a change, who would be the first guy you would look at if you were Arthur Blank? As a head coach? Yeah. I guess I would probably take a run at like Lincoln Riley and but, see okay. if you could lure him out of college. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I know it'd be tough. But so you'd go with a young, offensive-minded, yeah, college which coach. Is what you what what you think if you're a Falcons fan? Like now, looking back on it, uh, they should have kept Kyle Shanahan, <laughs> exactly, like the young, offensive-minded coach. And the thing is, it's interesting too with the Falcons, though, is that they're going to have to here in the next couple of years start developing a young quarterback. So yeah. that might be the kind of head coach they would be looking for if that were the case. So here's the thing: there's a lot of offensive-minded 
coordinators or excuse me uh, young young coordinators in the NFL that we can't sit here and rattle off you know their names right but there's a lot of really good coaches out there it's just you don't necessarily know who they all are and sometimes they're the flavor of the month maybe that's what Dan Quinn was when the Falcons hired him he's a good he's a good defensive coach though I mean I'm not saying that but his was it was his time when the Falcons hired. Well, him. I guess it was the Seahawks were the yeah. uh, you know kind of like that NFC dynasty was right. their defensive coordinator. Yeah. So let's try and and bring that here and build it. And then meanwhile, the Atlanta's defenses have been right. horrible. They have not. And I know they've had some tough injuries, but still, they haven't been very good. Yeah, because I'm t- like uh, Dimitrov isn't going to go anywhere because the the. You know the the thing is is like the drafts recently for under the, for the Falcons have been like well I've been drafting the defenders you want mm-hmm. we want to build your yeah. defense and this is how I've been drafting so I think Dimitrov is back one way or another but now Quinn I'm not even so sure he's he's gone because yeah and you know Atlanta's you know, they they win these stupid games and they'd be better off losing them just bizarre isn't it that they the falcons might have the two best wins in the nfl this year yeah in new orleans and at san francisco yeah and the new orleans one is they didn't even give up a touchdown <laughs> to drew Brees at home yeah i mean this is not the one against the niners was just one of those it was a classic good spot for a bad team mm-hmm. the niners had been on the road two weeks in a row playing baltimore and new orleans they had like five or six guys injured on defense and they yeah. didn't go for it on fourth and one from Atlanta's twenty-five yard line to win the game with less than two minutes to go. But and I'm sitting there. Did you watch it while it was going? Oh yeah. So I'm like, oh, it was. You know, I was all into it. Uh, you know, when Julio caught the pass to win it, I was like, oh no. And then you know they showed the first replay. It's like, oh, that's a touchdown. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, and I'm thinking, wait, this is really not that good. Yeah, cool. The Falcons then, really don't need to win this. You but start, it's exciting. Yeah, you start about draft pick, and then you also start thinking of like, wait a second, Quinn <laughs> might come back now. <laughs> it's like, wait. I, you know, I thought, I even thought like, why was Hooper's not a, a touchdown? I, because why was it? Because we don't know what a catch is and what yeah. a catch isn't. Because I, the ball did hit the ground, but he yeah. had control of it. That's he what lost it control like. of it, but then the ball never hit the ground again. And to me, it was like he had control of it when it hit the ground, but when he kind of started to roll over, he lost control of it. So does that mean at that point it's no longer a catch because he di- it had already hit the ground, and then he – I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm like, it looked like a catch to me. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. But, and then the Julio thing, yeah, you saw immediately it was a catch, and then you're thinking, all right, are these idiots going to go for two? And then yeah. let San Francisco return it maybe and win the game. So like they were actually smart to take the knee there on the two point. It was conversion. very smart. And the announcers, were they, were they were joking? Clueless. I don't. I you hope for their sake they were, because, but I don't think they were. Yeah, it's like you realize. All right, the clock doesn't run on a two point conversion yeah. or any kind of an extra point. Because the one was like, "What are they doing here? Yeah. Taking a knee? Like, well, trying to avoid the Niners yeah. maybe getting a pick two. Yeah. Eric Berry. Uh, phoning in, yeah, you know, exactly. I know Atlanta had that happen to, him. yeah, exactly. So yeah, though that was actually, we uh, sometimes get on Dan Quinn for his game management uh, flaws, but that was actually a good call there, yeah, to take the knee, and then just the greatest, the, the greatest, the lateral oh. touchdowns. 
So it didn't affect the the uh, the point spread, but it affected the over under. Oh yeah, the last touchdown. Yeah, which was forty nine and a half. Did Scott Van Pelt have it on his? It had beats? to have been because that's a, if you had the under in that game. Because what was it? it? Was thirteen to ten like late in the third quarter? Wasn't it? It might have even been that to start the fourth quarter. Because when Barner fumbled that punt, yeah, and they scored to go up nineteen to ten. Of course, missed the extra point. Yeah, <laughs> but um. Yep. Yeah. So either late, so maybe it was late. It might have been yeah. late third. It or was right, right at the beginning. Oh yeah, third, that's, fourth quarter. That's, that's a horrible beat. That's one where I would probably take a. I'd take the rest of the season off. That's one though too, where it's like I always, you know, I always afraid of the under. You know, if you bet the over, you know when it's done. Right. But the under is never done. It's never done. <laughs> Not even when there's like two seconds. Exactly. Left. Or at that point, I guess like the clock had probably gone to zero. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right, well, Dave, have a Merry Christmas. Yeah, same to you, Chris. And, you and Linda have a – and my man Bodie, y'all yeah. have a great Christmas. And um, we will – I guess we'll do this again next week. Okay, sounds um, good. So the Crossover Podcast. We appreciate all of you listening, and uh, Merry Christmas to all of you out there as well. And, uh, again, subscribe to us on iTunes or listen anytime on demand at uh, 960theref.com or uh, download the brand-new 960 The Ref app, and you get all of our on-demand content uh, there or listen – to 960 The Ref anytime live that you will want. For Dave, I'm Chris. Merry Christmas, everybody. This has been the Crossover Podcast presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville and Five Points. You've been listening to The Crossover presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen on 960theref.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.